Well, it is good to see you this morning. Uh, welcome to Stones Hill Community Church, and welcome really to what we're calling Life Week in so many ways. Uh, the VBS has some incredible themes, and they've done a great job on the decorations. Uh, I was offered a kangaroo outfit to preach in this morning. I turned it down. So uh, uh, we'll survive, I guess. Amen? We'll survive. Somebody else maybe will don the kangaroo outfit for the week. So we'll see. But um, Life Week, Sunday night through Thursday evening. And then um, we go into our weekend with some guest speakers uh, who will be coming. You don't want to miss that. Uh, Kenzie's already done a great job of just making us aware and giving us FYIs on what's coming. So um, you want to be sure to come next week at 845 for breakfast. And then you'll hear a great testimony by a couple. And then you're going to hear a couple of other great speakers and they'll have probably some things for you to look at out on the table in the West Lobby. So uh, be sure to be here um, throughout the week. Pray for what's happening here. And then also um, for what we do next weekend. Um, it's my privilege once again this morning to talk to you out of the book of Daniel. Uh, living in the lion's den, the people of God in exile. And if you're new here this morning, I'm Pastor Joey. And it's my privilege to talk each week out of the Bible. Um, the book of Daniel has been an intriguing book. We've seen a lot of different things in the book of Daniel. And for those who have been tracking with us, I'll just share with you that instead of another vision in Daniel this morning, where we have, and of course we've had a lot of strange creatures, beasts coming out of the ocean, com coming out of the waters, as it were. We've had rams and goats attacking each other violently. And we've had horns protruding from heads of these beasts and teeth and just... It's just been an amalgamation of a lot of interesting visuals and what I would call cartoon prophecy, okay? With just these images that have been burned in our memories and, and in the text. Today, what we encounter in Daniel chapter 9 is we encounter a Bible study and a prayer session, okay? And not only that, but the people of God will face 77s, not a beast now, we're talking about 70 units of 7, 490 years. That's the latter part of Daniel 9, and we'll deal with that in a couple of weeks um, when I come back to the passage. But today, we're looking at the first part of Daniel chapter 9, and Daniel chapter 9 is a Bible study. It starts with a Bible study, and it, it, and it uh, morphs into a prayer session and the by the time we get to the end of it Daniel starts um, with uh, he just sees the need and there's lots of confession in this uh, in this prayer session and he starts with that and it ends with the glory of God it starts with scripture and it ends with the glory of God so Daniel chapter 9 it's going to be a, a it's a very powerful powerful passage uh, and it's interesting because when we look at the overall message of Daniel chapter 9, the way I would succinctly state it is that this may take a while, but help is on the way because God loves you. It may take a while, but help is on the way. You'll see this, in fact, if we would go to Slide number 30, if you would, for me, Jeremy. Slide number 30. 
the, the 21st verse, while I was still in prayer, and we haven't even got there yet, but in verse 21, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. I just read the 16-verse prayer that I'm going to be looking at with you this morning. It took me two and a half minutes. I just timed it with my smartphone. Two and a half minutes to read 16 verses of, so, of prayer or so that Daniel prayed in 539 B.C. And when he started that prayer, God dispatched a messenger. And when we call out to him, when we... Through prayer, we release his power and his presence in our life. And so, so it may take a while, but help is on the way. And I don't know who needs to hear that message this morning. Maybe that is the message for you. It may take a while, but help's on the way. Don't despair. And the help is on the way because God loves you. You know, in all, Daniel references God 26 times in his prayer in Daniel chapter 9. And he not only references God 26 times, but he uses the phrase, your name, three times. In Daniel uh, verse, chapter 9, verse 15, 18, and 19. And so the personal address of God by Daniel makes this prayer one of the most intimate interactions with God that you'll find in the Bible. And incidentally, it's also one of the longest prayers. And even though it's one of the longest prayers, you can read it in two and a half minutes because I just did it. But he has these, he appeals to his sovereign God. He uses names for God. In fact, the name Yahweh doesn't even appear in any, any of the rest of the chapters of the book of Daniel. But here in Daniel 9, when Daniel sees the scope and plan of the ages, he calls out on the covenant name of God, Yahweh God, and says, God, you've God, you've made promises to come through for us and our nation, even though I've been in captivity nearly 70 years. You've made promises. And if you want to be effective with God, you've got to throw his promises in his face. You've got to remind God of what he's covenanted to do. And when we do that, it may take a while, but help is on the way because he loves you. Amen? Help's on the way. And so when we look at the Daniel chapter 9, um, we have to bear in mind that there's 70 years of exile that was promised by Jeremiah the prophet, okay, Southern kingdom goes into captivity of Israel, 586 B.C., right? Daniel was actually part of the deportation, early deportation in 605 B.C. He's writing in 539 B.C. He gives us another chronological marker in Daniel 9, verse 1. If you go, would go there for me. The chronological marker, and the chronological marker, marker is this, Daniel 9, verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom. We can track that in the history books. 539 B.C. 605 B.C., deportation by Daniel. He's at Seer 66. He's three to four years away from the moment when God said, God put a time frame on this, 70 years, where you're going to be in a place called Babylon, and you're going to live there, and you're going to make your life there, and, and you're going to feel 
the repercussions and, the, and even the consequences of a life of disobedience for 70 years. I'll explain next week why it's 70 years. But you're going to feel that. And so Daniel, when we track it on the time scale, he's year 66, and this creates this, this regime change that's happening here in Daniel 9. It creates consternation and angst. God, we're getting close. What's going to happen? Here's another regime, another world superpower. And we've, we've survived the Babylonian deal, and now we've got the Medes and the Persians, and when we have regime changes and leader changes, there's different priorities and visions and passions of these leaders. What's going to happen to us, our, our people, me and my people? What's going to happen? It drove him to the Scriptures, and it drove him to prayer. And the message he gets is that it may take a while, Daniel, but help is on the way because God loves you and his people and he will fulfill his word. 16 verse prayer. Again, there's like 20 confessions in this um, prayer. There's uh, roughly 72% of Daniel's prayer is spent in confession. And confession is simply agreeing with God. So Daniel experiences a what we could call an aha in life. Kyle Eidelman suggests in his book by the same title that an aha is a God moment that changes everything and that can be summed up in those three letters, aha, A-H-A. Awakening, honesty, action. It's like a door that swings on three hinges, sudden awakening, brutal honesty, immediate action. And when we go through aha, we set ourselves up for change and restoration and a new beginning. And, and aha is a recognition that sometimes it comes suddenly, that it, it leads us to an honest moment that brings about lasting change. And the church champions aha. And Christ champions aha. And Daniel lives aha. Awakening. God opens our eyes to something we've not seen before. God used scripture to do that for Daniel. You'll see it in a second. He uses a lot of things to awaken us. Is God trying to wake you up? Does he have an alarm going in your life? Well, when this regime change happened, Daniel's smartphone started going off. Boom, 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 boom. Wake up, Daniel. It's The time is getting close. You're three to four years out, but you should start praying for this because this is big. Okay? Awakening. God opens our eyes to something. Honesty. We tell ourselves the truth about ourselves, maybe for the first time in our life. Aha is an awakening. It's followed by honesty. We tell the truth about ourselves. We see ourselves clearly. Maybe others help us see this. Action. We take steps in light of the awakening and the honesty. We take steps toward change, a new beginning. You know, you experience aha all the time in your life. Hundreds, thousands of times um, we experience aha. There's awakening. Like I had a roll of paper towels in the cab of my truck, and the little pieces of paper towel were missing. It's like, well, what is that about? And I dig in, and all of a sudden a mama mouse and three little mice are in the cab of my truck. And I don't even keep Doritos and Fritos in the floorboard. But she decided she was going to live in my cab of my truck. 
And it's like, well, that explains why the paper towels are half-chewed. I had no idea, right? Aha! And so I'm clearing some stuff out, and I'm making changes because, you know, Nelson, you got to tighten it up in the cab of your truck. You don't want mice. You know, I'm going down 6 or 33 or whatever, and a mice pops out on my dashboard. It might not be a good news for me, right? A, a, a mouse. And so uh, we, aha happens all the time. All the times. I couldn't figure out. I run some, and so I couldn't figure out why the lower belly was always sore. And I figured out it's because I run with two dogs, and they're always pulling me like this. And when they see the raccoon run in front of them, and they want to treat up the telephone pole, it's bad news for me. <laughs> why is that? It's a, aha, that's what's happening. Okay, when that happens, stop completely. Otherwise, you're going to have always be, your midsection is always going to be torn up, right? Um, we have a three-year-old granddaughter. And, uh, and I was trying to figure out, as a grandpa, what her favorite food is. You know, we got to bribe somehow, right? And so, well, just kind of thinking about what her favorite food wa- was so I could know what to do in a pinch if I ever got in one, right? And I found out that the things she loves are Amish-made chocolate whoopie pies. That's what she likes. Here's what she does. She comes over, gets a bite of the whoopie pie. It's all over her face. She comes to me with the wet wipe. I wipe it off. She goes over to the pole, goes two times around the pole, and comes back for the next bite, and we repeat it. And it just goes just like that for 45 minutes. Aha! I now know what, she's, what she goes for. Okay? I got leverage. Whoopie pies. I talked to Jenna Hutzel this week. And she said she went to see the Mona Lisa, and it's only 30 by 20 inches. I thought the Mona Lisa was like this, right? I thought it was like that. It's just like that big. And there's always a long line. Aha, that thing is small. That's why you wait in line hours. You try to look at it from back there, and you're not going to see it. You've got to wait in line, right? Okay, got to be willing to wait in line. Aha, I've learned something. Life is full of thousands of these. We do it all the time. We awaken to something new. We get honest about ourselves. Something's got to change. And we action. We make a change. My question to you this morning is, are you ready for aha? Does God want to give you an aha? An awakening. Well, see, Daniel got to a place of aha. And we see here that God uses something to wake him up. And in his case, it was scripture. You see there, verse 1, if we go to the next slide, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, his, and that's his Bible, that's Daniel's Bible, whatever, it wasn't a, form, a formulated canon, a, a, a canon of 39 books at this time, but the books that he had, and one of which was Jeremiah, and we had the Psalms, because he quotes some from the Psalms, and he alludes to De- Deuteronomy. So he had the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the first five books of Moses. He had these books, we can tell by the allusions he makes in his prayer. But he especially has the book of Jeremiah. And when you're looking for answers, when you've got a regime change, you don't know what's coming for you or your people, the Bible is a great place to start, and that's where he goes, according to verse 2. On the screen, according to the word of the Lord, given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. 70 years. If you go to slide number 39 for me, Jeremy. 
slide number 39, we're going to look. We know precisely the two places in the book of Jeremiah that Daniel was reading when he saw this. Daniel 25 verse 11 says, uh, slide 39, this whole country will become a desolate wasteland and these nations will serve the king of Babylon 70 years. But when the 70 years are fulfilled, I will punish the king of Babylon and its nation and his nation, the land of the Babylonians for their guilt, declares the Lord. You just read it in verse 1 of, of chapter 9. God holds Babylon accountable. There's a, now a new a nation in charge and will make it desolate forever. Go to slide number 42 for me. Slide 42, verse, this is Jeremiah 29, 10. This is what the Lord says. You know, Daniel's reading his devotions. He's, he's uh, sensing that there's a change coming, right? He's two or three, four years away from this, this end of this promise. He's reading in his devotions. He's, he, he just saw t Jeremiah 25. Now he turns to Jeremiah 29. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. Here's the verse that you've all quoted at graduation time every year. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now you know the context. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me. And Daniel does this personally. And he does it for corporate impact. And he says, and I will listen to you. The word says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. And Daniel reads that and he plows in in prayer. And he says, God, we're near the time. Regime change. We're near the time of transition. And the prophet says, when we call on your name with confession and honesty and openness, when we hit aha in in life, we awaken, and there's honesty. and There's the action step of calling out and seeking you and your face. And when we do that, verse 14 says, I will be found of you. God says, I'm going to be there. And I will bring you back from captivity. And I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile and Daniel saw that in Jeremiah and it sends him into aha the awakening oh my goodness God this could go either way but I'm going to count on your promise given by Jeremiah the prophet you're going to you have plans to prosper plans to give us a future in the midst of your confusion this morning, church, God says, I have a plan, and I know the plan. And the key is not to go out and find the plan. The key is to encounter your God who knows the plan. He's the author of the plan. He's the, or, the sovereign one over the plan. It'll be 70 years before they would see the plan fulfilled. And it's getting near the end of that 70 years, and, the, and there's actually a positive side to that because God puts time limits on, time limits on our desperation. Maybe you feel desperation. Maybe what's happening in your life that's awakening you has been persistent for a long time. Just know that God puts time limits, just like 70 years. He puts time limits, limits on it because, because it may take a while, but help is on the way because he loves you. Amen. He loves you. Verse 3, so I turn to the Lord God So with all of that background. I gave my face, literally, 
It reads, I gave my face, I turned my face to God. And he knows that what, Dan, what Jeremiah the prophet wrote, when they turn to God and call out on God in prayer and participation and partnership, and that's all prayer is. It's, it's co-creating a new future with God. That's what prayer is. God says, I'm going to do stuff. I want to use you to do it. And when you call out on my name and you articulate prayers and you, you, just like Jeremiah says, help is on the way, I promise, because I love you. And um, it may take a while, but help is on the way. Daniel's fast in sackcloth and ashes. He knows the end of exile does not come automatically. It's going to require some confession and repentance because, because Jeremiah the prophet says as much. It's going to require some aha. And Daniel had experienced this wake-up call. He got this life alarm when the regime has changed here. And he knows that the new leaders have new agendas. And Daniel, he, it hits him and hits him hard. He has no appetite. He didn't, get, he didn't want to get up and get dressed and go anywhere. Sackcloth and ashes, it was, it was uh, an urgent matter to Daniel. It's more important to him than food and pleasure. And this morning, church, I ask you, I propose, what is God using to wake you up in this season of life? God uses scripture to waken us to our need. But he's not just limited to that. God uses sometimes people. When a spouse finds a note from a mate telling them they have an apartment now and they won't be coming home, that's aha, that's awakening. Sometimes a party-driven student gets a letter from the college academic dean, you flunked out this semester and we're going to send you home. You better believe that's aha, that's awakening. Sometimes aha begins to happen when you're holding a pregnancy test as a junior in high school and maybe it comes back positive. That's one thing. And then maybe you don't even know the daddy. That's another problem. Aha. Awakening. Awakening happens when you realize that porn and hookup culture has taken you down an addictive road and you can't get out of it now. It happens when your parents find a joint under the car floor mat it happens, awakenings happen, and often in the pastoral world, I know the phrases, I've heard the phrases many, many times. I'm in a mess. Um, I've hit rock bottom. Um, she filed. He filed. Um, I finally said I'm an alcoholic. My secret was exposed. I woke up in the hospital after the overdose or in the back of the police car, I realized Fill in the blank. Aha. Awakening. Those are kind of the trademark phrases. Aha happens when you try to change your gender. And now with mangled body parts, you realize that you still feel out of place in the body you're in, even though you've surgically altered your body forever. And you realize you haven't met the deep need of your life. That's aha. I read, read about, I, mean, I get so tired of people glamorizing this. I read about a person that transitioned and they detransitioned, a male to female. 
and I'll, I'll tame this down for a Sunday morning crowd. He says, I have no sensation in my crotch region at all. You could stab me with a knife and I wouldn't know. The entire area is numb like it's a shell shot and unable to comprehend what happened even four years after surgery. I'm so sick and tired of what the government, what the media, what social world's telling us about this issue. And the reason I keep hitting on it is becoming an indoctrination. It's an ideology. It wants to take hold and shape everything else. It's a lie. It's deception at the highest sort. And finally, people are trying to tell you, people who have done this route, people who have done what the White House executives are saying to do. They've done it. And now they're telling you I'm numb from the waist down. How is that for life? How is that for achieving and being all I'm supposed to be and my identity? He tells of painful sensations resulting from the surgery, enough to drive you mad, he says. It takes me about 10 minutes to empty my bladder. It's slow and painful and messy. And the worst thing about it is I'm, my bladder still empties unwillingly for the next hour. Nobody ever told me I'd smell like urine for an hour. Aha. Awakening. For others, aha comes from a foreclosure letter, an eviction notice, a creditor's call, a test result. Church, I asked you this morning... Do you have an alarm going off in your life, something that God is using to wake you up, to wake us up, that will drive us to our knees in fervent prayer like Daniel? God has a word for you. If you've gone through aha, you're in aha, you're in that awakening phase, that alarming phase. God has a word. Help is on the way. It may take a while, but help is on the way. I guarantee it. When we awaken, when we have aha, when we seek his face, he's promised, I will dispatch aid. Jeremiah the prophet lets us know. The circumstances are often difficult. The consequences are sometimes deserved in our life. We have to admit that. But Daniel's God has a plan. And it starts with awakening. Verse 4, we transition to honesty. And this is, this is where we have all the confessions by Daniel. Honesty, we see ourselves as we really are. A, a true view of God levels all of us. Nothing negative is ever said about Daniel in this book of Daniel, in all the Bible. He's, nothing negative could be said about this guy. And yet we find him saying, I, we have sinned, and we have failed to disobey, and we have rebelled. Okay, so he's part of this. It's not just a corporate identity. No, no, when Daniel sees how holy and good God is, the Lord, verse 4, if you would for me, I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. I confessed. I didn't say, look at these you know, brain-dead people around me that are messing everything up for me and everybody else. No, no, he says, Lord, the great and awesome God, you are great and awesome, and I'm going to confess because I see how holy you are and how impure I am. Not comparing myself to other people, but it's you and your holiness and your awesomeness and your greatness. And like I said, 
Daniel invokes God's covenant name, Yahweh, only one time in the book of Daniel does he do this. And he does it seven times in, the, in Daniel chapter 9. He invokes the name of covenant-keeping God, Yahweh. And so it is driven by this acute awareness of sin that Daniel has in his own life. Not one bad thing, again, is recorded about him, and yet he confesses. Like, in fact, he uses the word we a lot. You'll see the repetition of we in verses 9, 11, 13, 14, 15. You'll see him saying we. And, and, and he says, this is a God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Verse 5, here we go. He says, we have sinned. It's the three hardest words anybody's ever going to have to say. We have sinned. And then he stacks up the terms for sin in the passage. He stacks them up. Okay, so we have sinned, or that is we have, we have missed the mark, if we would look at the word definition, the Hebrew word definition of the term. We've missed the mark. We have done wrong. Um, we have twisted and perverted God's good gifts. Have you ever done that in your life? God gave you gifts and you twisted and, and perverted them into something they were never meant to be used for. We do that a lot of things. We do it with money, power, our sexuality. We twist the gifts of God that are really good, but we give it a twist. And we use it in perverted ways that he didn't intend. And so all of a sudden now Daniel says we have, we have we've even been wicked. We've committed crimes. We've twisted, done wrong. We've sinned. Um, we have turned away from your commands and your laws, God. And, and he's praying fervently. He knows that confession is the one requisite to restoration. And so he confesses the sin, his sin, the sin of his people. He's identifying himself and he's assuming responsibility for it. And that's how I know I love a guy like Daniel. It's not you people. Oh God, it's me. We have sinned. Be careful about you people statements. Be careful. Daniel was careful. I told I know I like him. He wasn't aloof. It's we have sinned. We have tanked America. Okay? We have tanked it by our commitment or lack thereof of the values of God and, and, and what we have demonstrated in our own lives. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our ancestors. And to all the people of the land, Lord, you are righteous, he says, but this day we are covered with shame. The people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, and all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you, because of our unfaithfulness to you, because of our unfaithfulness to you, it reminds you of of an, a, a spiritual adultery that we've kind of played with God, that God says, I love you. We have disordered our loves. We love other things other than him. And so now we have played the part of unfaithful partner, and we have found another lover, and God is in the corner wondering what he did wrong. Well, he doesn't really wonder what he did wrong. He's always right, but he wonders why the heart of his people is so hard against him. That's where we are. He says, verse 8, we and our kings, our princes, and our ancestors are covered with shame, Lord, because we have sinned against you. And note that he does not voice blame on those people. The pronouns are predominantly first person plural. 
In this prayer, there are 16 times he uses the word we, 17 times the word our, nine times the word us. In total, just let me geek out for a second, okay? In total, 42 personal words. In other words, Daniel is just open and honest before God. He's not aloof. You know, back in the 60s, there was a very popular joke that involved the Lone Ranger and Tonto. And maybe you, this rings a bell for some of you. Of course, Lone Ranger is the white dude with the mask who rode the white horse silver, taking on crime in the wild, wild west. And the horse was super smart and fast. And Tonto was his Indian brave who helped the Lone Ranger out. Tonto is the Lone Ranger's Native American sidekick in the story and in the series. And the Lone Ranger and Tonto are watching a horde of Indian braves bear down on them in full fury. In full battle, full battle fury, they are swarming them. They're surrounding them. They're up on them, okay? And, and the Lone Ranger says to his pal Tonto, Tonto, it looks like we are in trouble. And Tonto, the Native American Indian brave, responds, What you mean, we, white man? Daniel was more Babylonian in citizenship at this point in his life than Jewish. But he never said to his abandoned people, what do you mean we, Jews? What do you mean we, Hebrews? Doesn't do it. We, our, us. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, verse 9, even though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he gave us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. Therefore, the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against you. You have fulfilled the word spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing on us great disaster under the whole heaven. Nothing has ever been done like what has been done to Jerusalem. As long as Israel obeyed God, they could not lose a battle. They could not lose. They would not lose. I've got proof of it. 2 Kings 19.35, 185,000 Assyrian soldiers surrounding God's people. An angel comes, takes care of 185,000. Sennacherib, the, the general of Assyria, turns around, tucks his tail, and goes back to Nineveh. As long as they obeyed God, they couldn't lose. They would win every time. Their winning percentage was 1,000. God promised. And with all of that, they still chose to have other lovers and other loves in life besides their Yahweh God. And God says, if you want all these other things, I'm going to give it to you. And I'm going to give it to you for 70 years. You can get your fill of all the other gods and lovers you want. Just get your fill of it. Get your fill of it. I'll give you 70 years. 
Verse 12, you have fulfilled the words spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing on us great disaster. Under the whole heaven, nothing has ever been done like what has been done to Jerusalem. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come on us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning, uh, turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth, giving attention to your truth, giving attention to your truth. We talked about that last week. The Lord did not hesitate to bring the disaster on us, for the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does, yet we have not obeyed him. Verse 15, now the bulk of the prayer is consumed with lamenting sin, and, and, and now we're transitioning to his petition. Lord our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand, who made for yourself a name that endures to this day, we have sinned, we have done wrong. Lord, in keeping with all of your, your righteous acts, turn away your anger, your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill, our sins, the iniquities of our ancestors have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all those around us. Now our God, verse 17, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant for your sake. Look, Lord, Look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. It's interesting to me that Daniel really didn't even specify what he wants God to do. He just says, God, would you look on your sanctuary? Verse 18, would you open, would you see the city, the, the city that's in desolation? Give ear, O oh God, hear, open your eyes. Verse 18, and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. It's not just about our comforts. It's not just about us getting to go home. It's about your name. It's about who you are. And yes, we've misrepresented you, and we've disobeyed you, and we've flaunted our other loves in, 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 before your face. We understand this. But God, and we want you to hear, we want you to hear our requests and our cries, but we also want you to hear the insults of your enemies if things go on as they are. Your enemies, you're the God that can't even keep his temple in Jerusalem. And all the world knows that Yahweh God, in their eyes, has been defeated. If you want to make, if you want to see help dispatched to your aid, make your prayer about the honor of God. It's not about meeting my need; it's about your honor. God, it's your name, and I've dragged your name through the mud. Maybe in the way I've lived my life. But aha happens when we awaken to the reality that that's the case. And we're honest about where we are and how we got there. And then action can happen. Aha can happen. And he bases it on, he says, we do not make requests of you because we are righteous. No, no. But because of your great mercy. And it's amazing to me when you take a look at the prayer as a whole that what Daniel says is all based upon God's character. He says, you are awesome, verse 4. You always keep your promises, verse 4. You are righteous, verse 7. You are forgiving God, verse 9. Praise God, he's a forgiving God. You have a great name, verse 15. You are a merciful God. You see, it's all tied to the identity of who God is. And, and that's who we're coming to in our aha moments of life. Our petitions are sprinkled with the incense of pleading his honor. 
Lord, what honor will it bring you if that son of mine is converted? What praise will come to your name and to Christ if my marriage is renewed? What credit to Jesus' name if that saint can walk through this hard trouble growing stronger and sweeter in the faith? Make it about his honor, his name. And when you do, it may take a while, but help is on the way because he loves you lord and now he this prayer reaches an intense staccato pitch okay he's just short and choppy now lord listen lord forgive lord help here act for your sake my god do not delay because your city and your people bear your name seeing something there's awakening and there's honesty and there's action you've done it a thousand times in your life or more and what God wants you to do and what Jeremiah uh, talks about what Daniel demonstrates here he wants you to do that in your spiritual life awaken be honest with who you are and what you are. And then take steps of action. See, we have, uh, we're really smart, or we think we are, about how we come up with, how shall I say it, sophisticated, um, sophisticated coping strategies and mechanisms for telling ourselves a different story than the story we're in. We can do this. We do this all the time. There's, people will talk about denial. It's a defense mechanism where a person is faced with a fact that is too uncomfortable to accept, so they reject it despite overwhelming evidence. That's called denial. Uh, maybe it's not denial. Maybe it's projection. We just, we just blame everything on somebody else all the time. It's somebody else's choices. So, yeah, okay, I see the problem. Yeah, the, I know it's time for awakening. This is definitely that time. But it's not my fault. It's their fault. Or we, and this is something you hear all the time. If it's not denial and it's not projection, it's minimalization. Minimalization. It's not that big a deal. Come on. We're just having fun. I want to ask you a question. Do you hear anything remotely related to those coping mechanisms and self-help strategies in Daniel's prayer? I don't. I don't sense denial. There's no projection. There's no minimalization. A woman told Kyle Eidelman in tears, and he shares this story in his book, in tears how because of of an affair she lost everything, her marriage, her family, her relationship with her kids. With tears running down her cheeks, she shook her head and said, it just started with some harmless flirting at work. 
It was no big deal. The church champions the cause of Ahav. Awakening, honesty, and action. Well, action. When we decide to take action, God begins to move and he conveys his love. Look at verse 20. While I was speaking and praying, I take it he was praying out loud. While I was speaking and praying out loud. Sometimes you pray out loud. It just helps. You can pray to yourself. But he was praying out loud, speaking and praying out loud, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill. That's Jerusalem. While I was still in prayer, Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, that's Luke chapter 1, Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, he came to me in a swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. So I take it when Daniel first starts this prayer, this two and a half minute prayer, it may have been more, but it takes two and a half minutes to read it. When he starts this prayer, God goes into action. Like this man has awakened He's calling out. He's honest before me. And God goes into action. I really like the time phrase at the end of verse 21 about the time of the evening sacrifice. And I think it's interesting that Daniel still tells time liturgically. What's that mean? After decades of time in a foreign land, he still functions on Jerusalem time. They're not sacrificing in Jerusalem. The temple's been raised. None of that's happening, right? And so he's still telling time on Jerusalem time. And there's, there's simply some things that years in Babylon cannot erase from Daniel. And it reveals far more than Daniel's ability to tell time. That time indicator is packed. It's packed with yearning and longing and affection for Yahweh's way and Yahweh's presence. He's still on Jerusalem time. He's thinking of that evening sacrifice and that evening, two sacrifices in the morning and the evening. And for 66 years, Daniel has not been able to, to enjoy that evening sacrifice in Jerusalem. But here he says, I'm praying. And evidently he's praying at the time of the sacrifice. So he's not back in Jerusalem. He's not in the temple. And the temple's not even functioning. But he's in Babylon. He's been there for 66 years. And he's praying at the same time as the sacrifices would have been happening in Jerusalem. Like, God, if the, Jerusalem, if, the, 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 if the temple doesn't stand, I'll be your temple. You can live in me. I'll be it. You can have my life for your presence to dwell in. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. Verse 23, as soon as you began to pray. Verse 23, my proposition this morning. Here it is. Everything's been moving to this moment. What's that moment? It may take a while, but help is on the way because he loves you. As soon, here it is, verse 23, as soon as you began to pray, a word went out. As soon as he said, God, you're almighty, you're good. Okay, Gabriel, up, 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 let's go. You got a message. A word went out, which I have come 
to tell you, for you are highly esteemed in this aha moment of life with all the other 77s and the prophetic plan and all the big picture of 490 years that's going to come later, later on in, the, in this chapter. All the things he could have said, all the things he could have talked about, all the things he could have deemed him for. What's he do? The first message that God gives. Daniel, God loves you. And he wanted me to tell you that. You are highly esteemed, Daniel. You're valuable. Uh, we could translate it, you're precious. It's something like preciousness. God loves you very much. You're preciousness to him. You're like a precious treasure to God. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. It may take a while, but help is on the way. Because he loves you. When we are awakened and honest and active, God can do things in seconds of time that only he can do. And it was a swift flight. And life, I know, can reach a point where it feels like things have gone too far. There are many too many play pieces to put back together. We tell ourselves it's too late. My kids are too old. My marriage is too broken. My friend is too angry. My reputation is too far gone. My debt is too overwhelming. My addiction is too powerful. My life is too messed up. There's a lot of things maybe we need to change, but the biggest change is our relationship with God. And one of the things that, that happens in aha is it all starts with where you turn. Any alarms going off in your life this morning? And you know, I find it intriguing. Again, I come back to Daniel 9.21, the time element here, he, namely the time of the evening sacrifice. It suggests that there is a, only one way by which a sinful person can come to God in their lives there's only one way the whole idea of sacrifice is built in the old testament it's amplified in the new testament it's it comes to complete fulfillment and expression in the person of jesus the son the way is through jesus christ in his death on the cross awakening honesty and action and jesus says will you come to me Will you come to me? Will you say yes? Now, I don't know where you are in your life alarms and what's happening. But God's word is true. And it's an ideal place to begin to awaken. But he's not restricted just to the word. He comes to us in a lot of other ways. And he says, based on Jeremiah the prophet, if you call out to me. I'll answer you. I'll come through. It may take a while, but you got to know, help is on the way. He walked in that Greenwood food court a few weeks ago with his girlfriend. I've been in Greenwood Mall. I've probably eaten Chick-fil-A at the food court or 
maybe, I don't know if it's Chick-fil-A, but it's usually what I eat in the food court. Guy comes out of the bathroom with a rifle, starts shooting. Young man pulls out his Glock and says, not today, not today. Takes aim, eight out of 10, hits the target. All the people running, get behind me, he says, get behind me. Bam, bam, get behind me, get behind me, get behind me. See, he awakened. We don't live in the America we used to live in. You have to be ready. Got to be honest with that. And I'm not altogether sure how we got there. But there's a lot of things that tie into it. But here's where it starts. It's not them and those and your people, those people, according to Daniel. I'm a contributor. God, would you do something in me? Do it in me. I want to be who you call me to be. I want to honor you. I don't want to twist the gifts anymore. I'm tired of twisting the gifts. It's like he says. I want sex to be what it's supposed to be. I want, I want power to be what it's supposed to be and money to be what it's supposed to be. I want my body to be used for what it's supposed to be. I want to respect authority and not just challenge it all the time with direct, direct terms he uses in his prayer. God, just do your thing in me. Awaken me to the reality of who I am. And show me that next step. And I know that next step is to say, God, I turn to you. And God will look at you and he will say, I love you. Let's start there. Do you believe that I love you? The whole history of your life, do you, have you believed that I've loved you? And if you believe that I love you, would you have done that? If you believed that I loved you, would you have done that? If you believed it right there, would you have done that? If you really believe that you are my preciousness, would you have done that? Would you have made that decision, that relational choice, that act of rebellion? Let's just start right here. Do I believe that he loves me? If you hear me say nothing more this morning, Sometimes I'll run somebody, buy somebody on country road. They'll just be out. Hey, Jesus loves you, man. People don't believe it. They don't believe it. It starts there. That's awakening. He loves you men, you young ladies, you husbands and wives, fighting, trying to stay positive and focused, fighting through the abuses of the past, fighting through the setbacks of life, fighting through the, the, uh, uh, all the sarcasm of the world, the, the deceit of the world, uh, fighting through attitudinal stuff. It starts with, do you believe he loves you? You're going to have a great day of awakening someday when all of us, when we stand before God, and the first question is, Joey, 
We'll talk about right and wrong later. Did you believe that I loved you? It's going to start right there. Because that will determine everything else you do in your life. He loves you. And he wants aha. Maybe this is your aha moment. Aha. Awaken. Now. Let's go. Pray with me. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your love and your grace. And thank you for VBS week. And thank you for life week. Thank you for just everything is great. The volunteers. We pray for them this morning. We thank you for just the decorations, the, 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 th the themes, and the content that's going to be shared and the ways in which it will be shared. Father, we pray that you would just bless our church, bless our people of our church. Help us to be alert to who you are and your promises and your covenant. And God, I just pray it's for your honor that we do all these things. It's for your name. God, I don't want to just go out and get hammered because it's your honor that's at stake. Uh, I don't want to just go out and do something crazy that would dishonor you because it's your name. It's just this church family. It's your name. It's your reputation. This is your work. These are your people. And God, we want to honor our church and our families, and we want to honor you and your word and your name. And so we just plead your name, and the incense of your name rises Lord, your name, your city, your nation, your state. Be with the states of the world, of our nation, as they hammer out things like life legislation here in Kansas and other places this week. And just pray, God, that you would intervene and we come to you. We just corporately, God, America, we have, we have flaunted you. We have flipped you off. We have, we have isolated you. We have abandoned you in so many ways. And, and we have disordered loves and we love other things besides you. And, uh, and you have not been our number one in our lives. And, and, and we just come and we, we confess that. And we're a part of this thing. And so, Father, I just pray that um, corporately um, you would bring us to your throne and to your, this moment of your presence. And then we pray individually this morning, whatever alarms are going off, that you would just guide us and that we would know that help is on the way. It may take a while, but it's on the way. And we're going to hold on to that promise. And the way we dispatch that is to come to you and say, Lord, it's your honor. You do your work, and you do it today, and you start it in me. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Will you stand with me this morning? Thank you so much. I want you to have a great day. Hold your head high. Your daughter, son of the king, go in his peace and his wisdom. Amen. You're dismissed. Have a great day.